0: You're listening to the UBC Medicine Learning Network.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to a special edition of the Metamorphosis Podcast designed to help medical students and those considering medicine to navigate their medical careers. My name is Chris Pang. I use the pronouns he, him. And today, I am joined by Celine McCochran-Contreras.
0: Hello, my name is Celine. I use the pronoun she, her.
1: We are both fourth-year medical students at the UBC Vancouver Fraser Medical Program. We are very excited to be collaborating with Metamorphosis as past co-leads for the 2 LGBTQ in Medicine Mentorship Group and as students who helped found Outreach an online platform where queer physicians, both faculty and residents, can be out to UBC students, allowing for meaningful mentorship relationships to develop.
0: Today we are interviewing one of our wonderful preceptors and now mentor, Dr. Eva Moore. Dr. Moore uses the pronoun she, they, and is an adolescent medicine pediatrician at BC Children's Hospital. She has worked with young people across various intersections, including sexual and gender minority youth, for over 20 years. With such important work, we are so excited to have them on our episode celebrating queer identity in medicine and how it intersects with career development. We are grateful to Eva for sharing her stories and wisdom with us.
1: Before we begin, we would like to respectfully acknowledge that we are recording from the unceded and traditional territories of the Squamish, Musqueam, and tsleil nations. As we reflect on queer identities and social justice throughout the podcast, it is important for us to center our talk with a decolonial lens that celebrates and empowers all diversity. We are committed to listening, learning, and trying our best with our community towards reconciliation.
0: Please note, this podcast was recorded during the ongoing COVID pandemic and as such was conducted over Zoom. Thank you for listening today.
1: Dr. Moore. It's really nice to have you here and to see you again.
2: Can you call me Eva? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank
0: you. <laughs> Thank you again for joining us today, Eva. We wondered if we could start just sort of talking about how you came to be in medicine.
2: Yeah, sure. Um, so my both my parents are doctors and I have both of my grandparents on one side were doctors as well. So I actually didn't want to go into medicine for a long time. I felt like I just needed to kind of figure out my own path and, you know, and, and didn't want to like, I mean, I didn't feel pressure, but I, you know, I didn't want to feel like I was pressured to go in any sort of direction. So, so I started out college uh, without you know, it would be in a chemistry major and not wanting, not being pre-med or anything like that. And, uh, but then kind of, as I went through, I wasn't, I came kind of disenchanted with chemistry and I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a chemist per se. And, and I didn't really, wasn't really interested in like, teaching chemistry or teaching science. And so when I thought about, well, I really love working with people and I love science and well, gosh, the na- natural kind of thing that leads to is to think about medicine. And, and so that's kind of where I, I got to my job, like through uh, like in and out of university was, or college, I mean, was um, working at uh, Planned Parenthood and I'd volunteered there in, in high school and then, you know, got hired on doing like little stuff back in the lab, running tests and cleaning up rooms and things like that. And I just loved being in the environment with the nurse practitioners and, and with the patients. And so I, I kind of entered, you know, with that idea, initially thought about like nursing and nurse practitioning, but I didn't really have many mentors in that regard in my family. And so I kind of got steered at that point (laughs) into medicine, you know, and, and thought I was going to like, always had a passion for working with young people and with teenagers and, and in sexual health. And so kind of entered, you know, in, in that realm when I finished, uh, college, I, uh, I hadn't like finished all of my like pre-med stuff and I hadn't done like my MCATs and things like that. And so worked for a couple of years uh, in Philadelphia in center city, Philadelphia. And I got a job as like a HIV hotline counselor and sexual health hotline counselor. And I just, I loved it. It was like, better than like anything I had been exposed to in, in university or any kind of like formal teaching setting and I worked with the teenagers started doing like outreach and and like educational sessions <laughs> like for after school programs and things like that and um, that was really like foundational to me and I got like like that job evolved a little bit that I got to kind of be the leader of this teen peer education program where I worked with these teenagers in Center City Philadelphia and we would go to like, all the communities in Philadelphia and the teens would do the teaching, which was much better fit for me. Cause I don't really, I wasn't really into teaching per se, but I liked guiding the teenagers to be the, you know, teachers. And it was just like, so foundational to me. And I was like, this is what I want to do. Um, but I wanted, you know, I, I I'm going to get more education. I want to have more experience. I want to have more, like, you know, be able to be a little bit more of a leader in this kind of field. And, and so I entered medicine, like kind of with this vision of, You know what, what I hope to do later on, I guess, which was really helpful because I found medical school like very, very difficult. I think there's just it's it trains you to be so many things all at once, and it was really easy to kind of lose lose track of why I was there and what I was doing. Um, And it's so different than what I'm doing now in my career. So I was really glad I took that extra time to kind of just. I guess, not be a doctor and and just kind of explore other things. Um, and and those youth that I worked with in Philadelphia were just so inspiring. They were just amazing and uh, had come from very different backgrounds and, than I had. And, you know, and, and we're also like trying to navigate this like newfound independence. Like, I mean, they're quite a bit younger than me, but I had just kind of moved into the city and never lived in Philadelphia before. And, um, and they were also navigating the city and trying to like figure out you know how to how to live on their own not on their own but like in their own sense of self like being a a teenager and and kind of figuring out who they were and yeah it sounds like adolescent medicine
0: what you're doing now and pediatrics sounds like it was a really organic fit giving that sort of story you just told us but uh, was there ever any doubt?
2: <laughs> oh yeah, of course. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. I doubted it all, all the time. I don't know how much I doubted medicine per se, but I think at some points I was like, oh, I wish I like knew more about other careers. Cause I could have been like a psychologist or a social worker. and I could have been doing like this so much earlier, you know, but yeah, I mean, I, I went into medical school and, and right before I, went in, like kind of at the time that I was applying, I heard an adolescent medicine doctor speak. And this guy is like kind of known for having a lot of, you know, being a really strong mentor. And so I was really fortunate. I just happened to like go to one of his trainings that he was giving to nurse practitioners and nurses. And as part of my job, they're like, hey, go to this training. I was like, sure, (laughs) you know, and he was just really inspiring. And so I was like, oh, there's actually a field for this, you know, and so that was really amazing. But I actually wasn't sure that I wanted to do pediatrics. And so I went into medicine thinking I just want to work with teenagers. And it's like every field has teenagers. You could be a surgeon, be a trauma surgeon. You could, you know, there's just so so many different things. And I initially thought about OBGYN because of my interest in gynecology and uh, sexual health and Um, I thought about, about that, but I really wasn't interested in surgery. So it was kind of easy to kind of take that off the list, but after that, yeah, it was really tricky because in um, the U S where I was at that time, like you can go into adolescent medicine from internal medicine and family medicine (laughs) and pediatrics, uh, and you don't even have to go into an adolescent medicine fellowship. You can work with teenagers in a number of different fields. So, you know, I kind of was very. I don't know, mercurial, I guess, in terms of where I was headed. And then once I did my pediatric rotation, I remember there's, I so I did my residency or sorry, my my medical school in Baltimore. And it's a very, you know, it's a very diverse population. So the folks that I was caring for in the hospital, there's a, a lot of, you know, poverty and social um, exclusion and, and just a, a lot of people who re- were very much in need. And so that was a, Something I, like, I think there's a lot of hospitals that are like that, there's the, you know, health cares or health needs are not equally distributed in the population you know, but that was an important part of, of that as well. And I just remember this one time, this like kid, I was on my pediatric rotation, this like two-year-old just like reached up for me and was like, you know, wanted a hug. And I, I was like, this is, this is pediatrics, right? This is why, like, it doesn't matter the medicine you use or the people you work with or, you know, side by side, but like, it's, it's the patients and it's the families that, that drew me in. And I was like, thank God I like pediatrics because it's such a natural fit for adolescent medicine. But yeah, that's, that was a transformative day when I realized that.
1: I was personally curious about your time in Baltimore. (laughs) And I understand you also did a master's in public health. Yeah, And I was wondering if you could talk a bit more about like where you did that kind of schooling and what drew you to it and the story behind that.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Uh yeah. I grew up in Seattle, Washington. And then I was like, I need to get away. And so my my college was in suburban Philadelphia, which also was not getting away. It was very similar to growing up in Seattle. And so uh not I mean not not in that way, but just wasn't that urban experience I was looking for. And like I said, I talked about that experience in, in center city Philadelphia of just being so so important. And so when I was looking at schools, I ended up going to Johns Hopkins at in Baltimore, which I thought would be quite similar to Philadelphia, but it's actually like below the Mason Dixon line. So it's, it's just got a little bit more um, Southern culture to it. And it's a, it's also even more poor and dis, I don't know, disenfranchised than, than Philadelphia was. So I, I found it a difficult place to enter and especially entering kind of with a lot of privilege, you know, being in a uh, medical school bound to have this very, you know, prestigious career. It was, it was actually quite, quite difficult to figure out how to kind of take take that on. And so I kind of was drawn to public health in that regard of feeling uh, really kind of in a way helpless as a community you know, as a provider and as a doctor of like, gosh, there's so much social stuff that I'm up against with my patients that, yeah, sure. I can like give them antibiotics and cure their pneumonia in the hospital, but they're going to go home and they're just, you know, their asthma is just going to flare again because they don't have a safe home to go to. And so I felt like research and, and public health and kind of taking that broader look was another way of trying to you know, make a difference and, and try to help communities that maybe like that one-on-one relationship wasn't going to be able to to do. And so I I really uh, w- wanted to to look at that in a different way. And I, I guess I think of like, you know, the the circles of 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 influence, you know, and how, you know, yeah, we can kind of think about genetics influencing health and we can think about the family and the school and the community and then social policies and all of those things have their you know influence on the health of that individual but if i just focus on like the genetics and the you know the stuff we're taught in medical school you know the antibiotic which antibiotics to use is like in the end like it doesn't actually matter what antibiotics i use like what matters is the policies that you know why this kid isn't in school and why isn't it safe for them to walk around their block you know and all those things that go into like health and wellness so so yeah i i really wanted to do a public health degree it was just a matter of like when i was going to do it and so i was fortunate enough to go back to hawkins for my fellowship in adolescent medicine and i was able to do the public health degree at that time and i at that time, I was really focused on, on research and kind of thought I was going to go down a research career, but I'm glad, glad that I didn't, (laughs) it didn't work out in that way. Um, You know, it just was, it's just so competitive. And, and I think I also found research limiting because it's so much of a question and it's, it's uh, removes yourself so much from the patient as well. And so, yeah, finding that balance, I guess, is, is part of it, but I was really glad to, have had all of that intense research experience so that I actually can understand research better and can be kind of critical of it, I guess, and, 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 uh, and know where the value is, as well as kind of where maybe it's n- not, um, providing value to. so. Thank you for that.
1: It's interesting that you consider yourself not a researcher <laughs> while you, you have completed some scholarly projects, I would say, and, um, you you do continue to publish some papers as well so so that that's interesting about Thank you, the identity between nice. <laughs> a a capital r researcher versus you know a clinician or or the the identity between clinician and researcher and combining those um so as part of our podcast as well. And thank you for agreeing to this ahead of time. We did want to get to know you a bit more on a personal level too. We wanted to ask you about where you are from and um, your family and what it was like growing up where
2: you grew up. Ah, okay. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm from, uh, I grew up in Seattle um, and (laughs) my Mom's a psychiatrist. My dad is a a reproductive endocrinologist, and I have a younger sister as well who has absolutely decided not to go into any kind of higher education (laughs) and uh, lived off the grid for a period of time and now uh, does these natural um, beauty products, which are really amazing and uses uh, invasive plants to make beauty products um, and other things. So we have a really kind of diverse family I think just among ourselves we didn't grow up with relatives our extended family was all kind of um in the midwest and so we were kind of raised separate from that Um, and I had just an amazing education in Seattle my parents sent me to this really fantastic high school that was very social justice oriented and it was just a very very good environment for me so um yeah. So I guess like, I mean, part of this podcast is really to talk about like what it's like to be queer, I think in medicine. And, and it's interesting that you now like we've been talking, you know, for like a half an hour and I haven't even talked about that yet. And I think that it's like, that's part, part of this like balance that I'm still trying to, 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 to find of how do you, how do you bring yourself into your profession? Cause I mean, clearly I'm telling very like personal stories this is very much my own journey and yet it's really easy to just leave out that piece of myself because I think I've just gotten used to to not talking about it and you know hopefully that that's changing for your generation or you know or will will change but it was i mean it's definitely always part of my family uh, and the messages that my parents taught me was not to talk about it so that's you know that's passed on down from from them even though they like personally are very accepting like they specifically said don't tell your grandmother don't tell your family don't don't tell your uncle you know you know and and also even about like working at Planned Parenthood I come from a very Catholic family and you know I wasn't I was doing sexual health stuff it wasn't even like I didn't enter it to even though I I do feel about advocacy and you know and and having very much pro-choice but like I didn't enter it to like be an advocate I entered it to provide healthcare <laughs> to people and you know but I wasn't allowed to share that either you know I was I was discouraged to share that piece of myself too so I'm very like that's just very natural to me and, and I'm trying to recognize it and challenge it a bit more because I I want to get to a point where you know I can talk to my patients and to my colleagues and you know and to my students about the full piece of this journey you know and 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 the full piece of who, who I am, but, but yeah, I mean the, this process of like coming out to myself, you know, when I was in Seattle, I I didn't come out. I didn't really quite recognize it, even though I was in a very kind of accepting environment, you know, I just wasn't on my mind in that way, I guess. I just didn't have a label for it, but then when I got to college, um, like I came out like within three days, like, I was like, oh, all of a sudden I have to like describe who I am to other people. And I guess that's who I am. Um, you know, so, uh, it like became very clear that I, that, um, that was what I was going to do. And, and then, you know, and then once I kind of got more into profession and, you know, and then, you know, took a job, a full-time job after college and then into medical school, it's like coming out again of like, okay, well now, <laughs> now how am I going to talk about it? And I kind of went back to that teaching that my parents gave me of like, well, don't share that, you know? And, and so like, I kind of, it became very clear to me who I had, like I had in my head, like, okay, I've come out to these people. I haven't come out to these people. So I'm, I would just like kind of separate, like who knew, who didn't know, like who, I don't know, like they, it's not all up to me, you know, like <laughs> they may have known anyway or so, talked, you know, somehow, but I, in my mind, I had this very like clear idea of like, okay, I'm going into this, you know, into this interview. I'm not going to talk about, you know, my wife, or I'm not going to talk about my partner or my girlfriend or, or my sexual identity. Like, it just isn't something I'm going to do. And it was a very purposeful thing. And like, if I decided to talk about it as a very purposeful Thing. And so it it's just so easy to not know how to fit it in, I guess, <laughs> or how not to talk about it. I think it's so interesting
0: because I, I think myself and Chris and a lot of our colleagues, like we found each other, like those days before we found each other in medical school, it was very much like, I don't know if it's learned or if it's just, it's kind of like there, or I, I don't know where that, where that thinking comes from, but. Sort of retreating Because I think for myself I was also very much Coming into medicine Like comfortable And most of the spaces That I worked in And lived in Was very open and out And then when you get Into a new space That's you know A space that we Put on a pedestal Like medical school I think again I was like Am I supposed to tell This to people Like how much Should I tell this to people And, and it's so hard Like you said Because it is It's such a part of us Like uh, for myself I feel like it's so important in the way the way I live my life that it, it's weird to go into spaces and not bring that. Um, I, I, mean, I was talking to Chris about this. We I was watching you know what you do over the break. I was watching Queer Eye, the newest season that came out on New Year's Eve, and. It was Coromo Brown, and he was talking to somebody. Um, he, he said, he said, and it really stuck with me. I went and looked it up what he said. He said, for me, coming out gives the power to the other person to accept or deny you when what you're really doing is inviting them in. That really stuck with me, and so I appreciate you inviting us in, and I'm trying to think about that as well a lot of the time. But I don't know, Chris, how have you navigated this, like your life and your queerness, and how has that been for you?
1: I think it has been more subtle in in ways of listening to what, you know, clinical spaces are, like the vibe that they give off. <laughs> and certain remarks will kind of help or hinder me in my process of, of um, how much I want to share or not share, I think. and And that's kind of been how I've been navigating it. I know for us, uh, Eva, it was interesting how it came about, (laughs) like this whole topic, that we had like a mutual patient encounter and that I decided to come out to this patient because I felt it would be helpful for them um, because they were in a difficult space. And then I, I just mentioned something about Little Nas (laughs) X to 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 the patient and they're like oh are you and then i'm like yeah and then and then we we bonded in that way and then i remember actually it was the patient who outed me to you Eva (laughs) um that we were talking about like cooking or like plants cooking and i was like gonna bake and then and then she's like oh you know how to bake that's how you keep a man right (laughs) And I wasn't sure how that would have landed with anybody else really, but I I really did appreciate how, how it landed with you, Eva. And then we kind of debriefed it after and, and then talked about our identity that way. So all this to say that I think it sometimes comes out organically.
2: I think that was really brave of you to come out in that situation. And, you know, I, it, it, it's something that's always a choice, you know, like you, you, you describe it as organic, but like you chose to do that, you know, you didn't, it was absolutely not necessary. And there's lots of ways that you were bonding with her, um, without having that be an element of it. But, but I think it it is brave to kind of take, take that leap. And then to recognize that like, yeah, they may not keep that same confidence that, um, you know, or, you know, that, that we might have, you know, and, and so what does that mean? Like if the parent finds out or your attending finds out or, you know, and, 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 and all of that. Um, yeah. So those are the things, I think I overthink it all, right. I, we probably all do of, you know, if when is that right time or not? And so, yeah, I just, am, as you were talking about, I've thought of all the times that I didn't come out, you know, and there was a, 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 a when I was in residency, I really felt like I, didn't want to come out at that time. It was more like a personal reason I'd broken up with my girlfriend and, you know, I was like, I was just really not in a, a good place in a lot of ways. And so I didn't want to have to talk about, you know, my, like, cause I knew that the next question would be, well, why are you dating someone? I was like, well, no, <laughs> you know, so I didn't want to like go there at all. So I just decided not to talk about it very much. And I, mean, I definitely had my you know, my friends that were very supportive and my residents for the most part knew, but like among like attendings and definitely with my patients, I just didn't feel like in the right place to do it. But then like, you know, then I came to residency or sorry, to fellowship and felt much more comfortable like in fellowship and, you know, and then, and then definitely now, but even like, as I came here, I had a patient who I'd seen for a number of years and she was finally like 19 and I met with her. And for some reason I decided to tell her And I hadn't before I, like, I, I decided to tell her that, you know, that I was queer and that I had, you know, kids and, and she's like, why didn't you tell me this before, you know, and, and she, she had two moms um, herself, you know, and so we were, you know, a lot of what we had talked about, you know, when she was, you know, a patient of mine and when she was kind of struggling was because of, well, she perceived it as having, having two moms and she felt like she had, you know, gotten you know, had, had, had difficulties with her peers because she had had two moms and she felt kind of isolated because of that. And, and so she's like, why didn't you tell me that? Like, just, and so I was like, oh yeah, like babies could actually help my patients, <laughs> like not feeling so alone or not feeling so isolated, you know, cause when you are a teenager, it's like your world is, is, is only what you see sometimes. And you don't necessarily have a, you know, it, it is important to have those experiences and have that broader view of things. And, and so now I'm trying to rethink how, how to do that, but I haven't gotten there to, to figure out exactly how I'm gonna do it. Just recognizing that could, could be valuable.
1: As we go through the Karm's process, And as we become budding residents, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: what would be your kind of wisdom that you have to impart to our listeners about this whole process of inviting in?
2: That's such a good question. And there's definitely no right answer about it, you know, and and, and I think, you know, Celine, what you were saying about like every new environment is like a new opportunity to rethink all of it. Um, You know, and CARM's being, you know, such a, so many new environments and new potentials and everything. But I mean, I think it is important to be yourself. And, you know, if that's, if, that's the best way of expressing yourself and to be honest about, you know, who you're, who's moving with you and why you're considering, you know, this kind of program and what led you to do this medicine in this way, like that it's absolutely relevant. And it's, it's so important for us to figure out how to share these, these things that really are, um, you know, relevant to who we are and the choices we make and the things we're, we're looking for, you know, and, and if we don't, I think it can get in our way and it can limit our, our opportunities. But I think, yeah, just being, being honest, is just it gets you a lot, gets you a lot further along and, you know, it's, it, there's always going to be people who don't understand, I guess, or don't have that experience. But what I found is that when I'm comfortable, then people can kind of take that that lead. And I guess I know this more like with raising kids, like my kids are, there's not any other queer families that I know about, like at, at my kid's school or their preschool, but there's like no way <laughs> that I can hide, you know, that either my partner, or I can hide or would hide, you know, the reality of our family situation is definitely not good for our kids either, you know, and so because we're just so forthcoming about it, like nobody can say anything. Like they're just like follow that same tone of the conversation, uh, whether or not, you know, they feel comfortable or not. And occasionally you'll get like these kind of like, you know, questions that it's like, oh yeah, that maybe they don't have a lot of experience with queer families or queer queer people. Like you kind of get to know that over time, but definitely not like at first glance, which is kind of what I always expect is like I'm going to come out to someone who doesn't understand. And I'm going to get like this feedback right away from them of like, you know, of negativity or something, but that's not actually what, you know, what, what really happens, I think, you know? So yeah, I think it, it, being able to talk about it and, and, and maybe even if you're not comfortable, like to practice, I think I, that was, would have been helpful for me to be able to practice it a little bit more. Cause then maybe, maybe I would have been able to figure out how to talk about it in a way that was useful you know for those interviews or for those kinds of things but um yeah I think it having like this kind of mentorship that you guys are are doing is is a real opportunity too hopefully it gives gives people the chance to yeah figure it out a little bit more for themselves of of how how they want to approach it how you want to talk about it thank you
1: thank you thank you for that 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 was so healing and refreshing for me to hear not sure about you celine
0: i think it's so interesting because i think that there's messages that we receive as we go through this process that like you say that you know sometimes we won't say things or we're constantly trying to just sort of evaluate the safety of our surroundings it was really interesting to say like when when you become a parent uh, and those choices are no longer necessarily just reflective of you know it has to be for your child as well and I'm going into that space. And so I wonder how, like you already mentioned, but I wondered if you could speak about how being a queer parent has been and how it's impacted all of this.
2: Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I love being a parent and it was something that was just so important to me that, like, I just knew that I wanted to have kids for a long time. So that was just really grateful that I have the opportunity to be a parent and my, my kids are uh, six and uh, 10. So just been a really fun journey so far, you know, being, being a parent has like in our, our family kind of uh, shifted things. So for, for my partner, Hope, it was just like a blessing for her family is to have kids coming into the family. So they, I think we're, had just like, once Hope came out, they really thought that she wasn't ever gonna have kids because it was like the stereotype, I guess, that queer people don't have children. And so, you know, when they met me and, and heard that I wanted to have kids, that was like, they could accept me because of that. And so it's just really focused on the kids. So, so th- that was really nice. And, and, and then, you know, so kids are, are a blessing, I guess, in a lot of, lot of ways uh it's it's been harder in my family quite honestly like i think my that 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 kind of homophobia that i mentioned before of my mom not wanting to tell let you know have people uh know that i was queer and, and uh in the family and stuff like that like my my extended family's completely changed or you know i'm out my they all came to my wedding you know <laughs> um you know, there's lots of other queer people in my family and they've all come out, you know, so the last, you know, 20 years or even like 10 years, even 10 years ago, we are all out at that point. And so things really did shift, but, um. Uh, but yeah, like that homophobia though, that my mom has really like the kids brought it out even more of, well, you're, you know, you can't, how could, you know, how could two women raise two boys, you know, you guys don't know anything about boys and, that, that kind of stuff has very, been very, we've been dealing with that a lot with my mom, but I think that happens in all families. Like there's all this stuff that comes out raising kids that are like, wow, like <laughs> you know, there's all these issues and childhood traumas and perspectives and everything that, that, that come out. But yeah, I think finding those like connections with others is really, is really interesting. We, we don't have a lot of connection with other queer people in Vancouver. It's just not, I think having kids, you have less time to like, you know, do social things and do events. especially since our families are away, all of our vacations, all of our time off are like traveling to see family, you know? So I think that's, that's going to be something we're going to have to figure that out a bit, especially for our kids. I think it's going to be important for them to know other queer families, but we also have the benefit of like both my sisters queer and and hope sisters also married to women, woman so we have these like you know we we have these queer families and queer role models like within our our extended family so actually like those you know trips and vacations are very like affirming to all of us as well so i i think that that's how that's how we we manage it <laughs> i guess
0: thank you yeah i think families you know there's Three million different ways to have families, but for some reason we only often see and talk about one. Uh, And so it it has felt like a very, an area that I didn't know was so heteronormative
2: yeah that's just so so true i think i was telling you this before in another conversation like i've never felt so <laughs> heterosexual at being pregnant and um and being with my children and um i feel like this new like need to be obvious and out like i you know when i first came out i like had rainbows on everything and pink triangles and you know and all this uh stuff of like feeling like i needed to like let people know who i am and and then I didn't feel like I needed to do that anymore. And and then now with kids, it's like, oh my God, like people just assume <laughs> that I'm heterosexual and, and that's that's fine. Like, it's not like it's wrong. Most people are heterosexual, but but it's so much more, you know, often. And, uh, and even when I'm with my partner and, you know, my partner started dyeing her hair so that she wouldn't be misinterpreted as a kid's grandparents, you know, cause she's an older parent and, you know, all this stuff that we do to like, Um, that we have, we feel like we have to do to really kind of justify, yes, I am the parents of these children, we are the parents of these children, you know, and uh, so yeah, I've, I've started like thinking like, I should get those rainbows back out again, because, you know, it's, it just expresses like who we are, you know, like, it's just, I'm, I'm not heterosexual. And, you know, and I, so it's important that I'm not interpreted that way all the time.
1: For our listeners, I, I would love to hear more about your story with Hope and how you guys met and yeah how it, how, it, how it came to be. <laughs> awesome,
2: yeah, we have a funny meet story. So I was in a residency in Seattle and and she had uh, moved to Seattle a number of years before, a couple of years before, I guess, from New York City, and uh, she's very much a, a New York girl Um, but you know there's there's a certain point in New York where you just you know you can't like own a place you can't have a yard you can't have a garden and she's like I need to leave and her sister had moved to Seattle so she she moved as well and so at some point in Seattle she uh, told her she had a number of queer friends, but they were all kind of partnered up. And she's like, I, I need to meet like single lesbians. Like it doesn't, you know, you guys are good and all, but like I need to meet, and not necessarily to date or be set up, but I just need to like be able to hang out with people who are not like partnered up all the time. And so her her friend who's, also a doctor and took this very seriously (laughs) type a personality you know like invited her friends and said you need to bring a single lesbian to this party (laughs) so (laughs) it's like as a party of single lesbians so you have to bring everyone needs to go out and find one and bring them to this party (laughs) and so there was a um a a few of us in see who were out and together but I didn't know this girl very well so this girl was like you need to come to this party with me so so I was like I don't want to (laughs) go but I I did end up going to the party and that's that's where I met Hope. Every time we we have a fight- had a fight for a long time she's like well i'm I'm going back to the party and choosing someone else <laughs> and 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 then the other thing that happened is uh I'm like really allergic to cats, and she had two cats at the time, and so she once it like became clear that uh it was getting serious between us, she gave her cat to her parents and so she would say well i'm gonna go i'm gonna go get my cat back <laughs> so those are the the two things that would happen if, <laughs> if we broke up but no we've been together gosh since like 2007 so 15 years almost yeah yeah
1: that's amazing thank you for sharing that you mentioned something earlier that was like a homophobic experience with your parents and that really resonated with me (laughs) because actually my partner Joel and I, we've been together for four years now and my family is new to Canada, uh, first generation. They are quite Christian as well and so it's been quite a journey navigating this. I am out to them but we don't really talk about it and so in some ways, when we reflect on different spheres that we're out, I sometimes even feel like I'm more out in the workplace than when I'm with my immediate family, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Joel and I, we, just given everything that's been happening, we we had planned to get married um, in 2023, but we decided to just elope in A month, actually. Yeah, in February. Oh, my God. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's been an interesting experience because I think um, marriage also brings out different ideas of heteronormative ideals. And so I I asked my parents in a WhatsApp message, (laughs) like, if they would come to the wedding. And I'm still waiting to hear back from them. Yeah. And so I guess I was, I I was wanting to know how you have been dealing with or coping with the different levels of acceptance that you're
2: experiencing across the spheres of your life. Yeah, thank you. Uh, Well, congratulations. That is so exciting. Um, Yeah, it's so, it's so difficult. I think the situation with my family's Probably quite different than yours, but you know with my extended family like being very Catholic, maybe that's kind of similar to you to your situation I, I think you know for for me, I have to just like recognize that you know my parents are my mom really my dad's totally fine, but my mom has her own journey through this you know and and I have to just kind of look out for my family and you know i i we, we talk a lot about how to protect the kids from it in a way, like, cause I don't want them to, to experience this like homophobia that she is imparting on me and, uh, and, and hope. And um, she has a hard time re- accepting our relationship. I mean, she's very much like in our lives at the same time, which is just this bizarre piece of things. Um, but yeah, like she's, she's very much like in our house, in our home, but still very wary of, of this relationship and, and distrustful of it. And um, it doesn't like, doesn't value it to, to the same way that I think, to the same way she should, <laughs> you know? And I don't know if that's, how much that's homophobia really. I think a lot of it is homophobia and a lot of it is also just this, you know, overprotection of, <laughs> of her children and being wary of, of partners in general, so.
1: Mm-hmm. And, le- and their own learning as well
2: exactly yeah yeah and you know she grew up in a very different time and in a very different environment than we did and you know we have a lot of benefits of acceptance and stuff that she didn't have so
0: so we talked about I mean as you as you called it figuring out this balance of how to come out in residency fellowship and then sort of how do you balance your queer identity now yeah awesome
2: yeah I mean at this point like I've very very much like within my within my group and uh, and, and among all of my colleagues that I work with on any kind of regular basis like I'm completely out and they know my they know hope and they know my kids and you know, and that's a uh, very, very comfortable. And I'm really glad that I'm in a place like that and, and glad to be in, in in a place where that's just not an issue at all, any, anymore for me. And, you know, and I, I think that's, you know, probably, I'm just trying to think, like, I, I don't think I'm at all, like, concerned about sharing that, you know, it, among my colleagues, you know, at all. I think some of those, those times I'm still trying to navigate of, like, you know like just those social conversations with people you don't know at work like when you're talking to the nurse and the nurse is like yeah my kid this 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 and I'll talk about my kids very freely um but there's still that kind of like okay do I talk about my partner do I like do I come out to them like you know and I'm trying to like get to a point where I'm not thinking about it so much and it's just like you know what hap- what what happens in that moment but I I have like tried as well. Like when I do have the opportunity, I think I've been making more of a point the last couple of years of, of like more purposefully coming out just so that it's not subtle, I guess, or it's not like left kind of unsaid. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that. And I've been trying to like (laughs) with ways of of doing that more. And so one of the things I think about is like, you know, I'm always asked for like a bio, like giving like grand rounds next week. And it's like, how do I come out in my bio? You know, like it's like three sentences long, you know? And so I've actually looked at like other queer professionals to try to figure out like how to, how to do that. Cause like, oh, do I like, you know, put it as like, yeah, I live with my wife and, and children, you know and that's what I ended up doing, but there's other ways I think that people have have been able to come out and yeah, even even just coming out kind of with your professional work. So like for a long time, like when I was in medical school, so you know, still like fifteen, fifteen, seventeen years ago, I worked and uh, helped to author a paper on uh, transgender healthcare. And so, you know, I remember like one of my co-authors who had been in that field for a long time is like, well, you may not want to continue to do this. Like, you know, you may not want to like in, in a way like pigeonhole yourself. Like at that time, only queer people did gender work you know that's like shifted that's completely different now you know but like at that time like that was it was really a niche and you know and and she just had you know just kind of said like you may this may not be where you're going you know and so like even just being honest about having that as part of my commitment, I guess, my professional commitment, to, that's one, one way I've seen people put it on their their bio. So yeah, I'm trying to, to figure figure out that piece of it, of how to be more intentional about coming out. Yeah. And, and then, um, as I mentioned before, just like trying to figure out how to come out to, to patients and families and, uh, when it's relevant and, and, or maybe when it's not relevant too, you know, just not, not to try to promote it necessarily. Um, because I think our patients are like going through their own journey. They don't necessarily need to hear about all the ins and outs of, of my life, but, but very much in the context that, you know, you're, you talk about Chris, but then also in that context of, well, you know, they may, they may not, have had the opportunity to talk with someone who's queer, they, they may not, um, you know, they may be struggling with their own differences and feel alone in that, like whatever that difference is, And, and meeting someone else and kind of figuring out how, or seeing, seeing them dealing, dealing with differences and how they're, they're kind of presenting themselves can be, you know, can be an important part of their journey. And, and just like my kids don't ask about everything, like they may not necessarily ask for that. Like I might have to have to put it out there and, you know, even if it's, you know, even if the conversation doesn't naturally come to it. So those are some of the things I'm thinking about and, and kind of experimenting with in, in a way. And and then also like, do you, you know, like how much do you put the the rainbows up and the and the pins up? And you know, it's very very typical you know where I work for people to identify their pronouns on their signature or on their zoom name or uh, or to wear pins and stuff on their labels and and I've like I said I kind of moved away from all of that but you know do I go back to that and kind of you know be able to do that and and yeah I don't know I don't know the answers to all of those things but those are the things that I kind of think about and try to try to figure out how to how to do
1: thanks for that you kind of alluded to this um but we were wondering like there's obviously been a lot of change in society over the past 20 years and we're wondering like what stood out for you in in the in the duration of your career that you've noticed
2: yeah um so it's so interesting there's so so much change you know when uh, when I started medical school, I started medical school in 2000. And, you know, we, I felt really lucky. There was like six of us, we had our LGBT Alliance group. Um, and so there's six of us in my year and I think none in the year ahead of me and one in the year before. So I felt really glad that I had these six people, but then like, as we kind of met, we realized, well, actually, like one was there for Alliance. Like she wasn't <laughs> queer herself. She was, um, you know, um, just there to kind of be in a supportive environment and then there was another one who hadn't come out in our class but then kind of came out later and and so like kind of trying to figure that out was was interesting but but yeah like having that kind of that those colleagues have been really I think important so that's why I'm so glad to kind of hear about what you guys are are doing too but just in terms of like how things have changed I mean the the um, gender stuff is like completely different what what where it was before, and both like on that professional level, but then also just the the comfort people have to express a diversity of gender and, and label it as such, um, just not was not part of the conversation <laughs> like um, you know back when I was uh, in college and in medical school, so that's a really big shift and just in terms of how I think we're talking about gender and sexuality differences is is different but I think that also just reflects that comfort level of the conversation in general like queer eye was such a different show when it first came on you know and now it's like such a celebration and um, people love these guys you know and um, and yeah sure there was a queer eye before but but it was it was so much more it was just different you know and you know, gay characters on, you know, we had Will and Grace, but like, Will was never like allowed to date anyone. Like, you know, the whole show, he was just this like kind of nebulous gay person, but not actually like living, living the life, you know? So yeah, it's really shifted. I think for me personally, like being able to get married legally is like been such a huge, huge thing. Um, When I got married, it wasn't legal in the state that I was in. And so I had to fly to get married and get a license in a town that I, like a state I never lived in, never planned to live in, you know, and it's such a subtle thing. And I'm so glad I got to be legally married, even if it wasn't recognized where I was. And then, and then it, it is now, but that was just like such a huge, huge thing for me, for some reason, like to not be recognized um, in that way it was really, really hard. And and now it's just like a non-issue, you know? And when, when I had my first kid, because it wasn't um, legally recognized, like Hope had to adopt Asher. And so we had to go through this like adoption process um, and then get her on the birth certificate just so that legally if something happened I wasn't available like she could be you know recognized and seen as a legal parent you know and uh we moved to BC and they're like oh yeah you don't have to do that here I'm like what <laughs> you know that's, that's great <laughs> are you sure can't we just do it just in case <laughs> I'm like no <laughs> you don't have to so that's just a huge relief
0: you know We've talked about it now. We've talked about it a bit. You talked before about mentors that you sort of happened upon, not necessarily queer mentorship, but definitely mentorship. So I wondered if you could talk more about how mentorship has impacted your career and your life. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you. That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think mentorship is just, you know, when it's available, it's really, really helpful. And you know, I, I think we we kind of started this conversation about how you hold on to that piece of yourself of those reasons why you went into medicine and where you hope to be at the end of it. And, you know, sometimes mentorship can be par- part of that, of like trying to like keep you, you know, being able to to hold tight to that, that those kinds of things that are important to you. And, uh, you know, I think for me, I I didn't really... I don't think I had queer mentors per se. I having, having people who were out in medicine was extremely important to me, even if they weren't mentoring me, like just having, I don't know. Yeah. Having, having those people was just so important. And, and, you know, when I was in medical school, we, we had this group, it was all a social group, but, you know, being able to like be at those parties and, you know, and see these attendings and residents that it's like, Oh, I had no idea. And like, I remember being one there. I worked with that guy like that week. And I was like, I really had no idea that this guy was queer. And it's like, well, who cares? But it actually, I do care, you know, and it does matter. And, and so, you know, just, you know, just being that, that visibility, I think of, or, in it was maybe just a visibility to me. I don't know. Some of them were out. Some of them were not out as some of them came out, like, you know, since that time, but um, but yeah, so just that visibility, I think is really important and th- and then, in just terms of mentorship, I think you know, my mentors, the people who you know I worked with very closely were very accepting of me, um even though they weren't necessarily queer, but they are very social justice oriented and to me, that was just so important and and they're very accepting and acknowledging of of who I am and you know, and my my relationship and things like that and i I think that was important. And then, you know, just kind of along the way, I, I think i found a lot of mentorship in non-medicine people too. So, you know, being here, like working back in the community, uh, in the schools, like one of my uh, good friends and was very much a, a mentor to me was uh, a, a youth and family worker in the school and, and also queer herself. And so like, even though, you know, we're very much like trying for the same goal of of you know positive youth development and you know and so having a mentor you know outside of medicine is has those have been really important to me. I, I think it's the the mentorship within medicine and navigating that that's important. But I think just in terms of like that um being able to hold on to that I ideal of of what we're trying to do for the youth and for you know social change like You can find that outside of medicine too and and um so that's been really valuable for me to find these other and of course like people are much more out like (laughs) outside of medicine and so like some of my community partners that i work with who are much more comfortable being out than people who i work with here like that's been been really nice to just kind of have those as like role models and and mentors as well
1: amazing um we mentioned this theme of social justice throughout, <laughs> throughout your career. Could you elaborate on, you know, why, why it's important? Why is social justice important to you?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've had a lot of privilege in my life. And so I feel like that's my, like, it's my role or my duty to like give back and, you know, and, and to help reach a more equitable <laughs> society and, you know, and and yeah, I mean, definitely, health health illness is not equally distributed in in the population. So, being in this field, you you have to pay attention to it; otherwise, you're gonna gonna miss what's actually happening. As one of my mentors here says, like it's the people we're not seeing that that we need to think about. Uh, our healthcare system is is not uh, designed for some of the people who need it the most. Yeah, that's why I went to medicine. And it's a very I mean, medicine is such a formal, very institutionalized, very patriarchal <laughs> colonial, you know, um, approach to to try trying to provide a service to people. And so, you know, we we have to recognize that too and um and think about how how can we shift it to be able to to reach more, but then also to value that, yeah, it's it's not just about us. There's a lot that that is going to help people that is not going to come from such an institutionalized approach too I
1: knew there was a reason why we resonated with you Eva this this question I think might be important for our listeners um, who may not have much queer experience themselves and could you articulate why it's important to be out in medicine I know that like for the three of us like it's we, we know that it's important, but for, for someone who might not know.
2: Yeah. 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 such a good question. I mean, I think for the first and foremost thing is like, it's important to me and it gets important for me and myself and for, for us as queer people to be ourselves and to be able to bring ourselves into our, into our work and, uh, and not separate ourselves from, from the work that we do. And so I think you know, for me, that's, that's really important. But then I think the second thing is that it's important for our patients and our families who, you know, no no matter how accepting society is and and how far, you know, we've come to where we've been, it's, we're still a minority. And, and there's still a lot of queer people who are not able to come out or, and who experience discrimination and, and, uh, and other hardships because of it. And we've, we've talked about, how each of us have, have that even within our, our own experiences. And, you know, so, so that's important. And, and it's important. I mean, my, my difference is so like, it's actually quite a luxury to be able to like, not come out and not, you know, when I don't need to and, um, and to hide my, you know, difference if I need to, you know, a lot of people, they can't hide how they're different. They're, they may have a, a disability that's, obvious wherever they go or be from a a marginalized group that's discriminated against and judged, you know, and they can't hide that, you know, so it's, uh, it's important for, for that regard too, for us to, to just be part of the diversity of, of our communities. And then, yeah, I think, I think this, this piece too, of just the educational journey and, and being a teacher and, being now in a position where, I mean, I have an amazing job and an amazing position. And, and, you know, it's, I think it's my job to be able to support young people coming up and to may not be in that position yet. And yeah, I have, I have the luxury of being able to come out and and not be, not lose my job, you know, like, you know, some people still lose their jobs because they come out, you know, or have in the past. And so I think uh, it's important to, to, to do that in that way too.
0: Thank you. That's so affirming. Like, it's been so affirming for us to hear. And we really, really, really do appreciate you being so open to doing this and also being so open with us when we got to work with you. Um, i not speaking for other colleagues, but I think finding mentors that affirm in different spaces in medicine that, you know, queer people exist.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point. Not every medical career is as accepting as, and as open as adolescent medicine and pediatrics is. And, and so there is a lot of work to do so that people feel comfortable and, and figure out how to, how to navigate that. And so, you know, I, if there's something that I can do, you know, to help that along, like be amazing to, to be able to be part of that.
1: Our hearts are filled with gratitude for Eva and sharing their mentorship with us and for the privilege in being able to make this podcast. As we reflect on our queer medical student journey in our final year and beyond, we stand on the shoulders of our previous generations who have paved a path for us and we can't imagine what our lives would have looked like even just 20 years ago.
0: It was just now in 2022 That conversion therapy was legally banned in Canada, reflecting how much further we have to go. We truly hope this podcast adds to the changing landscape in medicine towards a more inclusive and diverse medical community. Thank you all for listening today. This has been a presentation of the UBC Medicine Learning Network.